Your organization is awesome, but sometimes you want to be even awesomer. It's time to get your fundraising on with your host, fundraising expert and author, Patrick Kirby. Oh, hi, everybody. Uh, Welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kirby. Uh, And normally we talk to small nonprofits doing great big things. Today, we're talking to a great big nonprofit doing even greater things. With me uh, today is my guest, uh, Erica Johnsrud. Uh, she's from the Ronald McDonald House. She's the uh, Director of Development, right? Yeah. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. Perfect. So we're going to talk a- about a whole bunch of things. Normally that we go through the process, we do an interview. Uh, I ask you a bunch of questions uh, that people need to know about your nonprofit. Uh, not today. We have beers in our hands. This is towards the end of the day, this recording. And we're going to just talk shop about fundraising. I think a lot of uh, uh, individuals who are in the nonprofit world usually um, complain about how formal and how like much they need to make sure that they are abiding by the rules, which means they have to go and do a certain thing at a certain time. That's, it's really not the case at all. I think we need to humanize fundraising a lot. And you're the most human fundraiser. That, that doesn't make sense, right? You're the most human fundraiser <laughs> I, am I know. I'm a human and a fundraiser. So. You're both. Um, one of the things that I uh, adore about you is that there is no difference in personality from uh, your person to how you relate to other people. And I think that authenticity is something that fundraisers lack. And so talking through your whole process on how you build relationships and how you fundraise, I think is epically important to those in the nonprofit world who think they have to be somebody else to be a uh, fundraiser that is successful. And I defy, I, I defy that, but it's me talking about it, right? <laughs> it's like, what are, you're going to listen to me because I have podcasts and I say the things on the stage. But like, let's get into the weeds. Let's like show somebody who is boots on the ground every day, grinding it out as a fundraiser. You may have the Ronald McDonald House sort of uh, materials and name behind it, but the methodology is the same, the, the hustle is the same, the relationship building is the same. So I want everybody in the world to know and look at this face, say, this is what a fundraiser, this is what a fundraiser <laughs> looks like, this is a fundraiser talks, and that's great. And sometimes we drink beer on a podcast because we talk about it. And we like beer. We do love beer. How did you get started in fundraising? I'm curious. <laughs> Um, well, I actually started as a temp at the Ronald McDonald house really? and I was, yeah, to plan the sweetheart ball. And so, um, which is your fundraiser, uh, in the around Valentine's day. Yes. Right? Yeah. Our biggest fundraiser of the year. And the Ronald McDonald house was in process of hiring a new executive director, but they okay. knew that somebody had to start planning the ball. And so they were looking for a temp to do that because once they hired the executive director, they were going to hire a development person. Right. But they wanted the executive director in place first. Correct. Makes sense. Totally. Um, Thank you, (laughs) nonprofit politics. I came on as a temp to plan the Sweetheart Ball. Mm -hmm. Um, Jill was hired as executive director. Sure. And um, they liked what I was doing. And so asked if I would be interested in staying on full-time as a development coordinator. Mm -hmm. So I did a lot of the writing stuff, then a lot of the internal development stuff. Um, which is great, but not super my skill set, I guess. Um, I can do it, but I'm better in front of people because I love to talk to people. Um, and actually my roommate says that I'm like a chameleon. 
go on. Um, I can, I can fit into any group. So like we have a, um, we have a motorcycle rally and I love hanging out with those guys. And then we have this, um, ball and so fancy pants dresses people. Yeah. And I like to, to fit in there too. And so I'm not changing who I am in any of those situations. Um, but it's just easy for me to relate to people at any level. And I think something that a lot of fundraisers think or want to know is how do you get to that point? Um, and how do you make it easy? And you can't, Yes, (laughs) it's still not easy. No, there's (laughs) no, there's no secret formula to some of that stuff. I, I like the, I like, most fundraisers who are personable enough to make asks and like to make like, Hey, I'm going to make an ask or I'm going to ask you for a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars. You have the ability to like weave your way into conversations. You have to understand enough about a lot of things, but not be an expert in anything, right? Like Absolutely. the Jack of all the trades master of none is like the ideal candidate yes. to be a fundraiser and just somebody who gets along with people. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what kind of person. It doesn't matter like what their background is. Um, can you have a conversation or can you understand um, the trials and tribulations of some other person? Can you put them yourself in their shoes? Whatever like thing you want to talk about. And that's what I really like about you is like you just, you can fit in without it being awkward. Let me, let me rephrase this. Awkward, it's awkward. But... We're all awkward. <laughs> that's what makes fundraising great is that you can be that awkward person. You have to, you have to be a little weird. Yeah. To like this gig? Absolutely. And I think inquisitive. Um, I, yes. don't, I don't know anything about a lot of things. Yes. But if it's, but I'm interested in a lot of different things. Yes. I like to know more. And so if somebody is, you know, really involved in XYZ, yes. I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. Tell me more. And then you get talking and all of a sudden you're having a normal, easy conversation, whether or not that's it probably doesn't seem easy, but yeah. <laughs> you're just having a conversation and you've related to that person and it's comfortable. I had, I had somebody ask me uh, a question a couple of weeks ago and it's still baffling me because I think this is the kind of the state we're in where we're trying to be per- perfect and we're not trying to make, make mistakes. Uh, somebody asked me like, well, I got a meeting with the donor and I was like, sweet, that's a great idea. So, so, now, so now what do I do? And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, I'm going to have coffee with them. But what do we talk about? And I was like, holy crap. Like we've gotten to the point where we're trying to like map out a conversation Mm -hmm. rather than like building authentic relationships and asking them dumb questions and getting dumb answers and having a laugh and being weird. And we're trying to, we're trying to perfect this and there's no perfection in fundraising or in relationships in general. Right. I used to tell people I get paid to talk to people. Yes. I told somebody that too. Uh, you get paid to have coffee with people. You get paid to do that and just meet and hang out. Yeah. And after you've, you know, after you've met with them a few times, you understand better where they're at. Yeah. And sometimes meeting with somebody once and they know you're a fundraiser, they're just going to be like, what do you want? And that's okay too. Yes. Those people don't want a relationship no. further than helping your cause. And that's great. It's almost, it's understanding it that they don't have any interest in your organization is almost a relief. Yeah. And then just write it down. And just write it down. <laughs> and then you don't have to worry about, you don't have to worry about following up. It's like they don't want to talk to me. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of donors who um, sort of give regularly. Don't bother me. I don't want another mailing. I'm going to send you a check every year. 
I don't want to be thanked. I don't want to be acknowledged. Just leave me the heck alone and I'll give you money. And then people like in well, I have to send you a thank you. Don't I have to do all these things? You're like, no, you don't. They just literally told you they don't want to talk to your face. Yeah. And with those people too, I mean, you can still get to know them a little bit. And so you don't need to send them those letters. You don't need to call them and thank them, but maybe you'll find out when their birthday is or that they have five grandchildren. And every so often you can just be like, how are your grandkids? That's a nice question to ask. That means it's personal and you're paying attention to the whole thing. What's the weirdest answer you've ever gotten from a donor? Like the weirdest thing that somebody has said to you? That's a, I mean, I've always That's been intrigued question. on the bizarre things people tell you. Like things you should not know early on in a relationship. Like they will just blurt out. Actually, I have a friend and I who talk about how we have, we have resting nice face. Yes. Because not necessarily as much with donors, but like people yes. will just tell me things. I was standing in the entryway at, <laughs> at an organization, just waiting, yes. just standing. And this other person was standing and waiting for a ride. And I just said, hi. And I could tell you anything about them still. Yes. <laughs> what is it that about people? Well, sometimes they just want to tell you things. I feel like they do. It's, it's funny about as, as being like a fundraiser. Like if you've, if you've got the ability to have a relationship with people or you, you can talk with people or have conversations, you can dive in. You, you can be that person who goes, hey, I heard you're talking about this. And you like squeeze into a conversation <laughs> yeah. and they don't find it weird at all. They're like, oh, this person clearly yeah, is interesting enough. We'll, we'll come in and be friends. Um, you're, prob- you're probably the person that can just go to uh, a bar and then just squeeze in on the conversation at some point in time, somebody like, well, I mean, we're all, we're all going to the next place, right? Together. <laughs> yeah. Like it's always the thing. Oh my gosh. I, I think people need to embrace their ability to sneak into conversations or just to be authentically interested. Like you said something, you're like, you're interested in people. You're yeah. genuinely curious. What a wonderful trait to have as a fundraiser. And, and that can go, it doesn't, you don't have to be in a, in a, in a big shop or a small, it doesn't matter what kind of it. If you can go into a honky tonk bar and have any, uh, you know, great. And then you go into a fancy pants restaurant where you're, you know, uh, some person in a tuxedo is taking your order. Yeah. Five forks. Five forks. I have no idea what four of them do. (laughs) You're offended by the person who used the oyster fork or, or the, the snail fork. And and you can still have a conversation with somebody because you're relating it to either a mission or you're talking. I, again, I think people are so hell bent on professionalizing or being overly professional when it comes to fundraising. And say, worrying about saying the right thing. I mean, I still yes. worry about that all the time, but yeah. you know, you don't have to be, I mean, you have to be inquisitive. You don't have to be outgoing to, to do Great that. Point. I mean, there's, there's something about that. I, I was at an event once where they talked about the power stance doing it for like three minutes before you go into a meeting. And I'm like, okay, it works. It totally works. <laughs> and if you're not, and if you don't understand what the, the power stance is, uh, g- Google it because everything's Googleable. And be, be a little, um, when you're doing the power stance, it's like three, you know, two and a half feet apart with your feet. And you're just, it hands on your hip like a, like a wonder. Mm, yes. And be as overly confident in your power stance as yes. possible. Yes. And then just saunter into a room 
and be a, be amazing. Somebody That's snapped a photo plan. of me from behind once, and I was literally <laughs> in a power stance. And then they posted it. They're like, "You literally live a power stance." <laughs> and I mostly because I just needed to stand, and my back hurt, and I just wanted to like. Stand, you got, like you're stretching I was just stretching, back. but it looked like I was in a power stance. <laughs> Can anyone be a fundraiser? Of course. What like what? Yeah. Who are the people that can't? Because I feel like there's some people who just can't. But I know you just said you everybody can, so I'm gonna I'm gonna box you into this. Everybody can, not everybody that's gonna be good. Or should. It. Yes, that's where I wanted to go with this. I appreciate you unburying me in that in that horrible hole of, of questioning. Not all people want to, and not Absolutely. all people should. Because some people are like just genuinely um, uh, scowly and just don't have an interest in people. Um, can you can you be a good fundraiser without being interested in people? Yes. And what makes like so. who? What type of uninterested in people? Like where would their role be, or where would their big like you how would they uninterested in people? Yeah, it makes me rethink that. Yeah, uninterested. <laughs> I have no desire to learn anything about you. <laughs> I probably loathe the fact I got out of bed today. Okay. I don't think that person should be a tracer. Upon further review, <laughs> the flight. I mean, can they can they email? What if they're great writers? What if they're great? Um, because what you said at the beginning was you started as sort of a temporary individual, and then you moved into sort of the role of I'm going to be a healthy helper ten, but I'm not going to be the lead role for the fundraisers. Yeah. And it wasn't fulfilling for you because you didn't get to have that personality, that uh, relationship building. You didn't go out and seek it. You were just doing the behind the scenes stuff. Right. The pieces that the pieces that I was doing at that time that I loved were like planning the sweetheart ball. You have a committee behind you to help with that. Um, going out and having booths and talking to people about yeah. our mission. Again, there's that people yeah. <laughs> aspect in it. Mm -hmm. um, and so like sitting at a desk and not having contact with, with different people yeah. um, is not super fulfilling for me all the time. There are some like introvert, extrovert people. And, and I would even classify myself as that. I think I give, uh, I give so like I'm running at 150% all day. Like the minute I wake up, it annoys my wife to no end. It annoys my kids who have the sleeping habits of my wife. <laughs> just get up and you're like, oh, why am I awake? I don't like anything to do with like from 6am to like nine. No, I want none of this. And I'm, I'm just, let's freaking go sort of thing. And then when I get home, and maybe this is where you're at too, like you're, you're running so hard, you just need absolute quiet. I, I need it. But how, does, how, do, how do you recharge? Because then, you, then you go, you're like after hours uh, superhero. Then you're like, okay, well now we're going to have fun fun. Yeah. Now this is where the fun begins. <laughs> but how do, you, how do you recharge? How do you take a break or out? What's your personal recharge ability? I think a lot of people have different personalities in the fundraising world. Hot, you know, there's got to be different ways that you can take that self-care, you know, as we like to say out loud. But how does your, what's your recharge look like? 
I think um, I'm not a morning person. <laughs> so, like, a few years ago. Is this why we never have meetings, at, like, before 10? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> before, a couple years ago, I realized that on the weekends, what I liked the most about the morning was that I got up and I drank some coffee and just, like, sat for a while before I even started getting ready for the day. And I was like, gosh, I love this so much. And then um, Max was like, you could do that all the time. You just have to get up earlier. It's <laughs> true. I was like, you're not wrong. So, <laughs> so I started setting my alarm for earlier. And so now my morning routine and I've been doing it for a while. And this morning I was just actually thinking about how people are always like, it takes a few weeks to get into a routine and I'm still not. And I've been doing it for at least a year. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> but I, you know, get up and drink that coffee while watching the morning news before I do anything else. Mm -hmm. And I'm just still kind of dead to the world. I'm still sleeping pretty much most of the time while yes. I'm sitting there drinking my coffee. And, but I need that to like let my body wake up and get ready for the day and then I'm okay to go forward. And then I kind of noticed that before I was doing that, I wouldn't be ready for the day until like halfway through the morning at work. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, here we go. Now I'm ready. Um, and so it's like little things like that. I get motivated and I'm actually recharged around people. Mm -hmm. um, people motivate me, people, my friends and are just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and so if I'm feeling sad or down, I don't want to take time to be quiet and be with myself. I would much rather be surrounded by people that I love because that's, what's going to bring me up out of that. Yeah. And then feel better. So I actually recharge with, people. Yeah. I, 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 to find your own recharge methodology and to be self-aware enough to know that if I don't get my two hours of like wake up time in the morning, I'm going to be a bear and I'm not going to be productive. Or if I don't get the time in between my kids going to bed and me like waking up in the next day, like just to have some, some sort of quiet time so that I can be overly enthusiastic about whatever I'm, I'm doing. Um, I think that's really good. So it, you know, from an advice standpoint, it's find what that battery recharge looks like and then just get into it and just repeat it on like, just keep chugging away at it. Uh, the other thing too is how many, how many days are you always on like a from a fundraiser? <laughs> like that's another thing where I think people, see the unicorn style individuals who just go above and beyond. And every time they bump into them again, every time I bump into you, it's completely bubbly and awesome and personality wise. Right. Does that just go through the whole, is that your lifestyle? Is that, or is there like a problem where like, <laughs> cause I feel that's, that's a thing like you, as a fundraiser, you're always bumping into people that could be potential partners and, and donors and, and whatever. And when you see them in the real world, right outside of the nine to fives, where you actually have this, like, I'm going to have a meeting with you. So I need to be on right. kind of thing. What, what do you do when you see like a donor in public on a Sunday and you're in pajama pants because I didn't have enough. Like I walked through the grocery store because somebody ran out of milk. 
that's always when you see them. That's always when you like, see them. I'm just going to run in quick. I won't see anybody. I don't care that I look like crap right now. Oh, hey, major donor. Hey. <laughs> that I just saw a couple of days ago. And was it, how do you act with that? I think that there's, we live in a small enough world, and especially in, here in flyover country in North Dakota, where everybody's related to everybody and everybody knows everybody. Uh, you're going to bump into the, to your folks that you're constantly like navigating donor stuff with. Absolutely. What, what's the best way? Like, how do you do that? Like, how do you handle that? That's awkward. I usually just make a joke out of it. <laughs> so true. Like, it also, I think it makes you look like a person. And yes. And I think, you know, there, there have been times where I will just like, try to avoid them in the grocery store and go the other way because I'm like, oh, this would be really uncomfortable. Um, and my voice gets high, apparently. Or weird, I don't know. Um, I think my weird voice. <laughs> but I think also just being like, hey, Sunday. <laughs> Caught me here. And I think, I think it's, Things are only awkward if you make them awkward. Yes. They, even it maybe, okay, if it's Sunday, maybe they just came from church and so they're all dressed up, but they're still in the grocery store, so it's out of context for them. Yes. Um, I mean, to, com- to be completely honest, they might not even recognize you because out of context. Yes. You know, sometimes you're like, say hi to somebody and you're like, no idea who I was. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that, just saying hi or making a joke out of it or just not acting like it's awkward. If you don't act like yes. it's awkward, they won't act like it's awkward. And then next time you see them, you can be like, did you get so enough true. orange juice for your breakfast you were having? No, I, I don't. Did you see me? And I forget <laughs> completely. Um, the, the name thing is a difficult thing for me. I, I am horrible with names awful with names. Are you good with names? Do you remember everybody's by your first name? I used to be better. Yep. I'm not as good anymore, but I'm usually really good at remembering how I know somebody. Yes. So like, I can't think of their name, but I'll be like, I know I know you because we met at this one event three years ago. And then that's creepy yeah. usually. Uh- <laughs> it's 100% creepy. It's 100% creepy. <laughs> So yeah, I I used to be a lot better at names. I'm I still pretty good. I um, yeah, that's a, that's a real that's a real tough one for me. And I will get I face is great, mm-hmm. but cannot place a lot of those things um, there. And that that's a, a thing that I try to work on. Like I went to, I did a Dale Carnegie class based purely on remembering names, and they do a test like a you do a Dale Carnegie class, and you're like, okay, we remember ten things in a row, and I was like, great. I'm going to remember 10 things in a row. I get one, two, three. I don't remember anything else. It's okay. You practice and you do this thing. I get to four. Then I'll go back to two because I forgot what three was. And therefore, I clearly forgot what number four was. Or I'll, yeah. I, I think too, yeah. though, like if you, if they haven't said your name yet, you can just reintroduce yourself. And I think I always assume people don't remember me. <laughs> oh, see, that's a good move. I love that. And so like, oh, hey, Erica, you know. Erica. Oh, yes. And Put it back on them. Yeah. As if they're like, the idiots that forgot the name. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. I I just got really excited about a new technique I'm going to use. <laughs> well, especially if they're kind of looking at you like I know who you are. Yeah. 
Um, and if it's out of context, that's when it works the best because it'll be like, Erica, I'm from the Ronald McDonald house. And so you're telling them like, this is how you know me. Yes. And then they'll be like, oh yeah, I'm so-and-so. And And they're like, yeah, I know. Half, half of that whole conversation, (laughs) I'm thinking about I'm like, well, how arrogant of me to think that they know who I am. I I just went through this whole like self-awareness process right there going, well, no, nobody knows who I am. I'm just a a dummy. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's so good. How many people do you meet within a year? Like how many people do you like professionally, like in a nonprofit, I'm going to ask you for money sort of role. Because I think a lot of, and I'm going to give you time to talk about this or think about this because I think it's really important. A lot of boards will say, well, how much money have you raised? Well, give me, tell me my money. I think field activity is way more important. And I think meeting with people is the only way you can be judged as a great fundraiser. We can get to the nuance of that as, as, as sort of we go here, but I think that just meeting people is super important because then you can tell your story to as many people as possible. And then people will be relatable to you because you get to practice over and over again. But some of the, one of the questions that get brought up a lot, is like, well, how many meetings is, how many meetings is acceptable or what's a good benchmark of how many times you're going out and meeting with people. I never have a really good answer for that. I mean, I've got a couple of answers based on how big an organization would be, but like, I don't have a great answer I don't know of a great answer. So please tell me a good answer so I can steal it from you and tell people later on down the road. (laughs) Um, Oh gosh. I, it's really easy to get bogged down in the office. And so I don't do as much as I should. I think since we've had our new location, it's been a lot easier for me to invite people to see it. And because it's so much easier to talk about our mission when they're in the building yeah. and seeing it. And uh, then I think it's easier for them to remember too what we mm-hmm. do and all the things that people are not familiar with that the Ronald McDonald House does. And so it's been a lot easier <laughs> to try to make sure that, and, and that's something that we report is like how many tours we gave mm. that month that's a good one um because it's just so much easier to bring people in show them the space pull at their heartstrings and we've had a lot of luck with at the end of a tour people wanting to know how they can help i think i think what you said so there's two or three things out of that statement that i think are brilliant because one if you if you think if you're a one person shop or a two person shop and you're like i don't have the time to go out of the the office and do stuff because I'm bogged down with other things. Mm-hmm. You have a fairly large staff in comparison to some small nonprofits, right? I mean, it's like you don't have a hundred people, right? But you have more than one, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I and to hear that come from somebody who has additional resources or more resources than some other nonprofits that you still get bogged down with the day to day grind of answering emails and spreadsheets and other garbage. To let everybody know, regardless of your size, that it's okay to know that other people do that. Because I feel, I feel like the, like the nonprofit world thinks they're the like everybody thinks they're the only ones that have these issues. Yeah. The more I talk to people, everybody has the same freaking issues of like I can't get out of the office because I got board members doing this, and I got this, and this, and I got to report this, and this spreadsheet, and this social media post didn't get posted, or this is spelled wrong, and I got to go correct it. And everybody thinks they're the only people that are going through that. And you're a person who has additional 
bodies or resources in the office to help with that, and yet you still have trouble getting out on a regular basis to it's, have conversations. It's easier. It's still, I mean, I guess we've been talking about how great it is to be able to go yes. out and talk to people. I know. But it's still easier to sit at your computer and answer emails and think about that um, that one thing that you've been trying to get to yes. that maybe now would be a good time to do that. It's funny how excitable you got about meeting donors and being <laughs> out and talking and being personal. And how ironic it is that in a, in the same breath, in the same 20 minutes of conversation, <laughs> you are more comfortable doing, or it's easier to answer all of that digitally and not go out. And I think that is so um, refreshing to hear, or if somebody's listening and they're just a fundraiser going, I just don't understand how people do that. Blech. They don't. Nobody, nobody's doing it. And if anybody says it, they're in their Instagram story, they're lying. They're liars. <laughs> you're liars. Um, because I think people get down on themselves a lot. I think that's what fundraising, it, they just think everybody's doing better than everybody else. And everybody's just struggle busing the same way that you are. It's just such a fact. I just, uh, my eyes hurt because I just <laughs> hate <laughs> the realization of that I think is, is will be eye opening to a lot of people, but I think, I think so. yeah, it's been really, it's been really fun to bring people into the house and Which then great. make it easier to follow up and say, yes. Hey, it was really great having you here. Can we chat more? Yeah. You know, you showed you showed an interest in X, Y, Z when we were chatting about it. What if, what if you've got an office, like you've got a 250 square foot office or you don't have an office or you're a volunteer group and don't have a particular place? How do you invite them to something to make an impact on? Like how, how does that, I mean, you've got this gorgeous building that you were tirelessly on for years to make happen. Um, some smaller or relatively new nonprofits may not have a thing to show off. But everybody does something. And how do you have that conversation or how do you have that invitation to make yourself feel proud about what you're doing even though you don't have a building to, to play off of? How do you do that? Yeah, I mean, so when we were just starting to get ready to fundraise for the new building, we started doing these luncheons. Yeah. And so I, super lucky, we have an amazing board of directors that help to get people in the seats to make sure that we can continue to have those lunches. And we just put them on the calendar. Yeah. So we have once a month, it's on the calendar. We have a goal sometimes the week before, all of a sudden we're like, we don't have anybody coming. We're just going to cancel it. But if you have it on the calendar, you feel pressure yes. to fill that. Yeah. And so, you know, asking other volunteers or board members to help fill those spots, mm -hmm. whether you have it at your location or maybe you can have it at one of your board members' boardrooms yes. at their location so that you can go to them and still be the one that's providing a lunch, even yeah. if it's just a sandwich and it doesn't have to be fancy. No. Yeah. And then, you know, have making sure that you have a good presentation about what it is that you do. And then, you know, if you have pictures and video that says a lot. Um, that's such great advice to a nonprofit trying to figure out how to get their message across to people who they don't know yet. 
And I think a lot of the people who uh, might be listening in a small nonprofit sort of setting is nobody knows who we are. Great. Uh, first of all, get on the official Do Good Better podcast. And people will know no, no. who you are. I know. Step one. Step two, if that doesn't work, uh, which it totally will, psst, totally will, um, how to have an event, how to have an event. I think people think having an event is this black tie gala, you know, seven course meal, giant band coming in, keynote speaker and doing it. That's not even remotely what people are more drawn to. If you don't have an event like that, it's okay. Doing a small gathering at a coffee shop for God's sakes, or uh, somebody's home is totally okay. Boardroom is a great example uh, just to kind of showcase. But what you said was really, really good and really, really interesting is you have to have a good presentation. That, that out of all the, if you can get a hundred people in the room, you're going to have a crappy presentation and nobody cares. What makes a great presentation? Like what makes it, uh, or what are the elements to a great presentation that you have found while doing either small events or your big, uh, sort of the, the galas that you're being throwing presentation wise, what makes a good one? I think the stories, the stories from, you know, for us, the families, the volunteers on why they volunteer or how they got started. And so, for example, when we um, ask board members to help us fill our lunches, um, we ask them to say why they got involved. And it's been it's been really fun, actually. Some of them I didn't even know the full story until we were all sitting there. And so I think if you have to have a good why story, Mm -hmm. um, but not everybody is motivated by that. Um, People are all motivated by different things, of course. So, um, you know, it's not easy to make one thing that has stories, but also stats and history and (laughs) all of that kind of stuff in it. Um, But if you can, you know, I think it's important to have it on a screen and also hand it out because mm-hmm. some people are going to take it home and look at it later. And that's really where you're going to get them. And some people are just going to be glued to your PowerPoint and be really excited about that. And some people are going to be purely listening to you. Don't even take the brochure with them when they leave and probably maybe glance at a picture that mm-hmm. you had on the PowerPoint. So I think if you can get a little bit of each thing, this sounds really hard. It's not... <laughs> It does. It sounds overwhelming. It, that's very, I'm so glad you stopped there. It does not, it's not as overwhelming as it sounds. You don't have to put together a 90 minute keynote on the value of whatever your mission is. That's not what you're doing. You're just no. giving them an overview. They're giving them a taste. You're, you're you giving them, give them enough where they're going to ask you questions. Yes. And also want to meet with you again. Yes. Because you, you yeah. touched on this, and I would love to know more about that. Great. Let's set up a coffee next week. So the setup next. And, and again, whether you're doing a fundraising event or whether you're doing a, um, a wine event, whether you're doing some sort of just minor gathering or whatever, the follow-up piece is unbelievably important. Because if they never hear from you again, why in the hell are they going to be interested in you know mailing out or whatever? How do you go about following up? And is it as overwhelming as it seems for all those things? I put it on my calendar. <gasps> what? I use my calendar for everything. You did, <laughs> I told you. Uh, 
I will say uh, to to my beloved wife, uh, is it on the calendar? She's like, no. I go, I'm not going to remember that at all. Sorry. <laughs> nope. I well, mean, I put, a, I put a note in my calendar for later tonight to go to Target and what I need from Target. Because yes. otherwise, I won't remember to go to Target. Yes. Because, well, we have those <laughs> brains that never stop running. And we're always like, oh, squirrel. Huh? Squirrel. Oh, yeah. Squirrel. Squirrel. Beaver squirrel. <laughs> like, I don't understand. Um, but yeah, the fo- I just put it on my calendar. I like and, that. And I, and I try to put a few notes. I st- When I first started putting stuff on my calendar to for follow-ups for donors, I would just be like, email Patrick. And then I would come to that and be like, what did I mean? <laughs> About yes. what? Why am I emailing Patrick? Which Patrick? So I tried Who to be is this? really specific to myself, to my later self. Um, and even if it's like an email correspondence, just yeah. copy and paste the whole email. Like this is the context that you need yes. for the follow-up you're going to be doing right now. <laughs> Why the heck you just did that? And I think people think they need this giant robust uh, CRM system. They need something. You don't. You need a calendar. You need to copy and paste, uh, document some notes. And even then, you're like, well, who did I meet with last week? I don't understand. At least you have some notes in your calendar mm-hmm. event or that notebook that you've got a bunch of scribbles on, you know, drawing unicorns or whatever the heck it is <laughs> you're drawing in there. Um, I have the biggest problem where I have the, the signature and the writing ability of a doctor but nowhere near the smarts. So I just, it's all chicken scratch and I can understand like half of it, (laughs) which is horrible. So I've been finding that I have to record like in an audio form, like a message of like important things that I just learned about whatever in the meeting is. But there's a handful of meetings you can use for this. And, um, I email myself a lot. I email myself all the time. Mm -hmm. Why did I email myself? Or a text to email, or I'll just send myself a text message so that it comes up in like an unopened email that I can get to. Yes, because the next morning you're going to check your email. And I mean, I don't know how many times, especially recently, I've been like, I'm so glad I emailed that to myself. I would have never remembered it. Oh, that's absolutely (laughs) the case. I think we as fundraisers, especially those who are very personable, um, we think we have superpowers. We honestly think we have the superpower of the ability to remember everything. And that is not even close (laughs) to being the case. Because I I don't want to admit that I don't, remember stuff like I think that's a bad thing too like we just want to be no I got this easy and I'll go to the grocery store and I'll have three things to buy and I'll get the first two and I'll stand there in like the meat (laughs) department I go what the hell am I supposed to do now I don't understand if you have that problem and you are thinking that you're going to remember the nuance of your donor conversations you're you're crazy you're plum crazy and if you can remember you need to. You're so lucky. You're so lucky. <laughs> Good on you. If somebody's just starting out being a fundraiser, if you go back to like your your the the glory days of your first uh, volunteer, I need some help doing this thing. What would you tell your um, former self on the things that you wanted to know or you should have known out of the gate as a fundraiser, not as like a volunteer, but like as a fundraiser person? What are the things you wish you knew then that would have made your life a hell of a lot easier? It's deep. Some <laughs> deep questions here on the official Do Good Better podcast. I think the biggest thing for me. Do you need another beer for that? I do. Yeah. I think I need another beer. 
for those of you who are just listening, we're digging around in a plastic bag for that. I think I'm going to bush light yeah. it because we're classy like that. Classy. Enjoy. Thank you, Bush Light, for your future sponsorship <laughs> of the official Do Good Better podcast. <laughs> bush. Um, former selves. What would you learn from your former self? What would you like to remember, like to know? I think the biggest thing for me is to have somebody, whether that's your boss, whether it's a mentor, whether it's a friend, that you can call, like, when you get in the car after you've had a meeting with a donor. Oh, good one. I I will never forget my first bigger ask, um, just wanting to tell somebody that, like, I didn't have a yes or a no. But I, I felt good about it. I felt like it went well. Of course, I was like nervous as heck going into it. Yes. And I'm sure I stumbled over myself sure. horribly. Um, but just having somebody that you can be like, this is what I just did. And it went great. Yeah. You need that. Yeah. Like I, I'm so lucky to have Jill as our executive director. I mean, I will be in the car on the way back to the office where I know she is located and we'll call her <laughs> to tell her that it went well. Like, and then I'll be like, all right, I'll see you in a minute. Yes. I'm Or like, I'm pulling into the parking lot I'm now. I'm walking up the stairs. <laughs> I need to tell you these things. That's a, re- that's a really good piece of information and advice I, to have a soundboard or somebody that you can just download with or, did I say the right thing? Did I do the wrong thing? Yeah. I and feel yeah, like, if yeah. it went bad too, you can be like, just went south. It wasn't great. Um, that was a terrible. Nope. Why did you send me there? <laughs> that's a, that's a, such a great thing. I think it's fundraisers. It's, um, and, and it's a lonely place because I don't think you can be publicly, um, you can't publicly doubt your skills. Because right. that's another thing, too. And I, you got to put on this persona, this face, this bravery. Oh, so brave. Uh, this brave face on that, that you know your stuff or you know, like, what you're talking about. And anytime you feel insecure, you feel like somebody who's in your donor base is going to figure it out. Because we all have this imposter syndrome of, like, why am I asking somebody for $100,000 or $10,000 or $100? What, what do I have the right to ask somebody? I don't have any skills. And you do, you honestly, like you have this wonderful personality. People want to help you. They want to help your organization. You've told a great story. And then yet still we um, don't have that in us to go. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. I knocked it out of the park kind of thing. (laughs) And it's, it sounds braggy and you don't want to do that. Or if you had a really self-conscious moment, how do people handle that in general? I think that's a really good point. I really like that to have a um, thing. So if you're just starting out, grab yourself a group of people who you can just, I don't know, have convers- have a bush with as I'm going to take a sip. <laughs> but I think even, I mean, even to leave them a voicemail, like if you have a handful of people that you can call, even if they don't answer, yes. you're like, I don't know, I feel the need to like word vomit after I have the yes. meeting. So... <laughs> The same person. This We're the same person. <laughs> this is what happened, and I don't even know what's going to happen out of it. And I think a lot of it is, and I give a lot of, um, there's a lot of garbage out there on, what is that, uh, manifesting? Like you're just going to tell yourself that it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You, you dream it, you can do it. 
was the book uh the tell no not the tell the secret yeah sometimes that totally works it 100 percent works <laughs> And I'm not a foo-foo guy at all, but it 100% where you walk in there and like confident as all get, I'm going to get this, I'm going to get this. You sometimes have to talk yourself into believing that you're actually going to get the gift in the first place. Mm-hmm. And, and I know it sounds super weird. And if you are not of that ilk and you just psych yourself up, it's your power pose, but for asks or for like meetings that, to go yeah. well, this is going to go extremely well. Put it out into the world. Positive vibes. That so works. Um, and then later on, like if, if it did work or if it didn't, later on, you can always be like, well, I tried. Lesson learned. <laughs> I didn't do that. When's it, what's a time that's gone totally wrong for you? What's the, what's the worst ask you've ever had or the, the person just got up and just goes, I'm offended by how much you've asked me for First of all, that never happens. Nobody's offended by that. Nobody's punched anybody. Have you been punched in the face for asking for money? No. There, we're a hundred percent asking. Harms. Never physically harmed for asking for a dollar amount. So there's a if you if you're worried about it, not gonna happen. <laughs> but what's like the worst, weirdest donor moment that you've had when you've asked for something? I think I it's not super weird, I guess, but I think I was meeting with a donor. I'd had several meetings where it was just kind of get to know you, sure. um, presented materials, and like at the meeting, they were super interested and yeah. and pretty much said yes, and then they would wouldn't call me back. You got ghosted. <laughs> I got ghosted. How rude. <laughs> It's such a rude donor bit. Yeah, and so afterwards, I was so excited. Did you see them later? Yeah, of course. Of course you did. <laughs> now the awkward thing is on you, donor guy, girl. Yeah, yes. Then you just get to go be like, hi. Remember so me? So good to see you. It's been a while. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Just to be in that power position where you're like, remember me? The email you never replied to? <laughs> Did they ever give you money? No. No. Uh, God. I know. And it's, I think that is probably the, I, I think that is worse than hearing a no. Absolutely. I is. would rather hear a no Agreed. than a like, oh my gosh, yeah, I would love to support you. And then nothing. Oh, I so agree with you on that. Because at least when they say no, you can put it to rest. And you're like, okay, well, this person clearly doesn't like, or we're not mixed. And it's okay. I That's think it's great. okay. Yeah. Right. It clears up your schedule. They're like, oh, I don't have to call them back anymore. Thank God. Mm-hmm. And I have to go chase this anymore. But the, the, uh, Hey, maybe I'm so guilty of the maybe, but in life though, cause I hate <laughs> saying the word no. I know. And I'm I am not a, I am a terrible. <laughs> I just say yes. I, I, I know. I just go. And then I'm like, why did I, do why that? did I do this? I didn't want to be there. Well, I might be there. If I ever say I might be there, I'm not freaking showing up at all. So sorry for that. But <laughs> I don't want to hurt your feelings and I know that I'm hurting your feelings more and I'm self-aware about it, but I can't help you. And I know that donors do that to me as well. And I feel like that's a thing and I need to know that, but. uh. I would just rather them say no or, you know, calling for sponsorships, for example. I mean, some businesses have very strict guidelines Mm -hmm. about who they give to. And, you know, it might be these three organizations are who we support. Yeah. And I would rather them tell me that than be like, oh, yeah, we'll take a look at it. Crickets, crickets. Okay. And then you have to call back. And, yeah, it's just 
yeah, that's a, that's a thing. I think How? it's really actually, sorry. No. <laughs> I think it's really great. This is therapy when for both of they're us. like, I'm so sorry, but we only support these. And then like, I think that's great. There, you know, there are so many organizations, only so much money. Yeah. And so then you're like, okay, well thank you. Know, thank you so much for supporting that organization and for all you do in the community. And then they're just like, Sure. <laughs> thanking, thanking them for supporting other organizations and having them just freak out like internally. Like, what was that about? Put them back on their heels. I think it's okay to say thank you for supporting other organizations. Absolutely. I don't think a lot of organ. I don't think a lot of people think that way. I think there's. I think we're highly we competitive. <laughs> yeah. I just there's a finite amount of um, things that you can support effectively. I think, you know, and, and maybe I'm, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think a, a, a business supporting three organizations robustly makes way more impact than them supporting 300 organizations very poorly. Because I think you can make a bigger difference. You can make a bigger impact. And I think if you can help a business navigate the, to where they want to feel great then you've done them a service. And I think the universe is going to come back and say, that's going to be like, you're going to get a big gift because of what you just did. And then the manifesting thing, that whole, like, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I just feel like if you're part of the solution to making the world a more philanthropic place, even if that is not you, I think that's going to set yourself up as an organization a lot better than it would. Yes. It just being a selfish, greedy sort of thing. So I ran into a few, um, donors at an event of another organization. Mm. Oh, yeah. I was also at the event. Yes. Just pointing that out. Um, you can, by the way, you can <laughs> go to other people's events. It's okay. <laughs> but it was funny because I went over to say hi and they were like, we're still, we're, we'll be at the Sweetheart Ball too. <laughs> and I'm like, great. Yes. <laughs> like I'm all here also supporting yes. this other organization. I'm not, upset that you're at another event <laughs> that's so great <laughs> it was really it's really cute most i mean most people oh god it's so adorable um oh we're busted she got us but i think most most people have um you know three four five six organizations that they give to Absolutely. probably three of them very well um if they're donors and, and you can be one of those people and then you can you can pounce on so when People are like, sort of like, well, they only support Ron McDonald House. They'll never support our, you know, sort of kids uh, charity that helps medical bills. Yes, they will. That's why they support the Ron McDonald House. You're, you're going to get in with people who are like-minded. If you're doing something that the Ron McDonald House doesn't necessarily do, that still aligns with your donor's desire to help kids and their medical bills or issues. And so you're not taking away any money from the Ronald McDonald house. You're maybe taking it away from like the golf association or whatever. Sorry, golf association who's listening to this, but like you're taking it away from somebody else who may not be aligned correctly and they might find your organization to be exactly what they needed to fill the hole in their donor hearts or whatever that they're not getting from somebody else. You're not stealing it. You're helping the donors be awesome about their giving. Yeah. And if they want, you know, if a, if a donor wants to do like many small gifts to many organizations, yes. I think if, if they're upfront about that, if that's what fills their bucket, do it. 
cool. Great. <laughs> and if I know that because I've gotten to know them because I've chatted with them, then even better because then if I see them at another event, the next time I ask them for money from my organization, yes. I can start the conversation Absolutely. by saying, how did you enjoy that event? Or like, did you get anything from the auction? This is what I was bidding on and I didn't get it. And maybe it turns out that yes. they got that. <laughs> yes. You were like bidding it against each other. And then it's this great, funny thing that happened between you guys. And it's kind of awkward, but we're already awkward. We already established that. <laughs> This has been so much fun. I'm gonna, we're, you're going to be a regular guest. I'm determining right now that you're going to be a regular guest on the official Do Good Better podcast. Um, if somebody's listening to this and they want to say, like, well, Erica, I find you delightful. Because I don't know how many people are not going to find that. <laughs> how do I give you sacks of money for your organization or what you do? How do they get a hold of you? We can come to the Ronald McDonald House. We're over just east of the new Sanford Hospital in Fargo. Mm -hmm. uh, our website is rmhcfargo.org and our phone number is 701-232-3980. Those are good. We'll put those in the show notes as well. Uh, but if you're from another state and you're listening to this in Texas or California um, and they want to give to you, you wouldn't happen to have any donor stories of your global reach, would you, from your local organization, maybe someone who draws comic books? Oh, maybe. <laughs> Tell we me a do. story. Um, we have a wonderful friend and donor from New Jersey. But um, we live in Fargo. That doesn't make any sense. That we got connected to on Twitter. Really? And yeah, and we've just become really good friends with and have stayed in touch and um, we do Wishlist Wednesdays every Wednesday on all of our social media. Yeah. And he's been wonderful at sending things when we need them most. And it's just been a lot of fun. He actually came to Fargo and got to see our new house and meet us and do some stuff with the comic book store downtown for signing autographs. And it was really fun. It's one of the things I wanted to end the episode on is uh, letting people know that the global reach of your organization doesn't have to be your backyard. There are people who are probably going to resonate with what you're doing on a global scale. Um, and it's just getting in front of people to tell that story, whether it's on social media or it's um, making phone calls or sending out newsletters. Like There are people who want to make a difference who are connecting. Maybe they don't connect well to the local version of whatever there is in another state. Um, and that's why I think you have to just be awkward and go and meet people in different situations is because you never know who you're going to meet. You never know who you're going to talk to and you never know who's going to end up being your major supporters because you've never tried because you think it's weird and it's not. Um, and that's really the point I wanted to make today and bring you on because that, well, that's one of many things, which is why we're going to keep doing this over and over again, because we've got a, we've got many more beers to drink and we only have time to drink a couple during the show. Erica, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate yeah. your face and, uh, I appreciate all you do. Uh, the Ronald McDonald house is lucky to have you, but this community is lucky to have you because you're awesome. And everybody listening is awesome for uh, listening to Erica because she is uh, incredibly brilliant when it comes to talking about this kind of stuff. And uh, I hope you took a couple of things away as you are sort of relating this to yourself, regardless of how big you are and how or how tiny you are as an organization. We all think the same things. We all have the same worries and the frustrations and things. 
but I hope that you don't necessarily have that anymore because Erica helped out with you. <laughs> Bam. Thank you uh, for stopping by. You're an awesome guest and you're going to be back on soon. Can't wait. Bye friends. It's the official do good, better podcast. Hey, uh, keep listening. You know, there's probably more episodes here, so you should keep listening to those. And, uh, thanks for stopping by. Appreciate it. Bye. There are countless videos, books, articles, and folks out there with suggestions on how to raise more money. Of course, that's a major problem. Too much information. Do good university has an online library of lectures, courses, and trainings that concentrate on one thing making fundraising simple. Come join other like-minded do-gooders who are looking to unclutter their fundraising life. Enroll at Do Good University today at dogoodbetterconsulting.com.